Welcome back into Making Sense of Retirement. I'm John Jagay, joined again by Vince Oldre. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. We are approaching Thanksgiving, the end of the year. It always comes upon us so fast, especially in a year like this where it's kind of been like no other. And so we're talking today about 10 tax tips for 2021. They're going to beef up your savings and minimize the amount of income tax you're going to pay for this year. Yeah, and I think this is especially important since we have potential tax changes coming down the pipeline. But I think always it's a good reminder to kind of go over some things that regardless if there are any changes, it's always good to do this anyway. You know, this is a good time to meet with your financial advisor. It's a good time when we meet with our clients. Yep. So there's 10 items here. We're just going to tick right down the list because they're all really important. First one on our list is making your 401k and HSA contributions. This is important to do at the end of the year. I think it's important to max your 401k and HSA contributions. It helps lower your overall tax liability. But remember, you can only make a maximum contribution. If you go under it, it's not a big deal, but you can't make that up for next year. So if you have a 401k, you're capped at 19500 for 2021. Mm-hmm. Workers age 15 and older can make an additional 6500 Now, the good news with this is that's a good chunk of money, right? Whereas if you don't do this with your 401k, okay, and you want to make IRA contributions, you can do that up until obviously April 15th of next year. But when it comes to 401ks and your HSAs, they need to be done before December 31st. So that's why this is important to think about now. Really important deadline to know there. And also your RMD, scheduling those required minimum distributions for 2021. This is one of the biggest penalties in the tax code if you don't do this right, correct? Correct. So if you don't take your required minimum distribution for 2021, then you have a 50% penalty. Okay. So normally retirees have traditional 401ks, IRAs, anything that's tax deferred. Once you reach age 72, you have to take your required minimum distribution. Depending on your account, you know, it's a percentage that you have to take based on your age. And so the IRS has a nice table that you have to follow, but you have to take a certain amount out of your IRA or 401k. doesn't mean you have to spend it. just means you have to take it out of the IRA or 401k, put it into an after-tax account. So that could be a brokerage account, a savings account, but you've paid taxes now on that money, or at least it's going to go on your income tax returns as if you were paid that income. So the reason why this is important to understand is one, there's a huge penalty if you don't do it. But number two, it might make sense to do more than your typical RMD or your typical required minimum distribution. And that's kind of what leads us into the next one. Okay. So third on our list, our next item would be converting money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Then these are related because the government wants their money, right? Right. So we can actually accelerate paying some of the taxes if we want to by moving money from an IRA to a Roth IRA, which is called a conversion. And we've talked about this in similar episodes, which you, know, you can go back to listen to our other episodes by jumping into whatever you're listening to now. You can look at our past episodes when we talk about Roth conversions. But where this comes in is, remember, a Roth conversion you have to do before the end of December 31st. We say this now because typically, you know, the Fidelity is the TD Ameritrade is the swabs that you utilize. They need like three weeks or two weeks in advance notice to do these conversions. That's good. We're talking about this now. It's the end of November. Yeah. So don't wait to do it. Do it now. But some things to think about is if you already have your required minimum distribution and you're stuck somewhere in the middle of the 12% tax bracket, you might as well just do the rest as a conversion. Okay. You can't use your required minimum distribution as a Roth conversion, but you can do anything over and above your required minimum distribution 
and move it to a Roth IRA. So maybe you should capitalize your entire 12% tax bracket. Right. If you're not near the top or that bracket where you're going to push into another one, that makes a lot of sense to do. If you're going to stay within that same bracket, this again, why every individual situation is different. Talk to your CPA, talk to your financial advisor. One other added benefit here is if we do reduce our future required minimum distributions, we could also reduce how much taxes we're paying on our social security and other things. So it's kind of one of those things where, hey, don't look at it just this year. See how it might impact you 2022, 23, 24, and so on, because it can make a huge difference by doing just a little bit more than what you're used to doing. It makes a lot of sense. Next item on our list is one of my favorite things. It is the 529 plan. There are so many advantages to these plans, and I know they differ from state to state, but the 529 plan, real quick, what is it and what needs to be done before the end of the year? So a 529 plan is typically used for college expenses. So it's usually where you're saving money in an account that grows tax-free if it's used for college expenses. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean you can't use the money later if you don't use it for college expenses. It just becomes a taxable income. Mm-hmm. But most states offer a state income tax deduction for contributions made by residents to a state-sponsored plan. So while there's no federal tax deduction for the 529 contributions, depending on where you're listening, you may have a tax deduction from your state. And what will be really interesting to see with the potential Biden changes, this tax deduction could actually matter in the future for sure if they increase the SALT or the state and local tax deductions that we talked about in the past. Right. Again, the SALT stuff's important. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet. Holding off on mutual fund purchases, though we've talked about things we should do. This is something that we shouldn't do before the end of the year? Correct. So not a lot of people know that mutual funds typically pay their capital gain distributions at the end of the year. Okay. So you might get a big bump of income without you knowing it, but if you're not in mutual funds, you're jumping into the market now, you're jumping in where you're going to get a lot of capital gains. And sometimes we call this phantom income because you don't know that this income is going to be there. And what's happening is these mutual funds own stock, right, or bonds, and they could be selling those stocks or bonds at a gain. Well, that gain gets passed all the way back to you as the shareholder. Ah, So you could get hit with a big bill for year-end dividends, even if you purchase shares and essentially you will be paying taxes on the profit you didn't actually see. And so to avoid the potential additional tax hit, make sure you're, again, looking at a little bit deeper, understand when the mutual fund might pay out its dividends or its capital gains, and maybe just wait till the following year to jump in. Fair enough. Harvesting your capital losses, this can be a huge tax advantage if you do this right, correct? Correct. Now, you can always sell some stock and get a deduction for some loss. You're only allowed to deduct up to $3,000. Okay. So that money can offset some gains. So instead of you know, taking a bunch of losses, if you have some funds that you're trying to get out of, it's a good time to also sell some things to give you a capital gain. So that way the tax is offset, right? Just be careful though, you know, so a lot of times what people will do is they'll sell a stock where they'll have a gain and they'll use the other sale of the stock that has a loss to offset. Mm -hmm. And then what they'll do is they'll jump back into that stock that's been performing well. So they have a higher cost basis. Mm -hmm. So that way they have smaller capital gains tax in the future. You just want to be careful there. So don't just jump in right away. You have to follow the 30-day rule. The wash rule, right? The wash rule, right. So you want to make sure that you fall outside the 30 days if you're going to repurchase that stock. And I know a lot of people, for example, like they'll buy 
Verizon stock for the dividends and AT&T or something like that. And they'll keep buying out, but they'll change out where their cost basis is. So instead of maybe they bought it when it was really low and they keep buying more shares or something like that, you just have to be careful there. But maybe you bought it really low and you have another stock that didn't do so well, then you can kind of sell the other stock at the same time of the one that has a really good gain, offset it, and then rebuy the one that you really like again. So that way you can bring that cost basis back up. Okay, got it. Next up on our list is picking up those capital gains if you are in a low tax bracket. We alluded to this a little bit earlier, but this is important too for every individual situation. Yeah, same thing kind of goes with the requirement of distribution or the Roth conversion that we were talking about earlier. So the idea here is you know you have capital gains and you're in a low tax bracket. So the capital gains tax bracket's much, much bigger for the long-term capital gains. It's much, much bigger for long-term capital gains. Uh, but also in the short-term capital gains scenario, which is taxes earned in your income, if you know you're in the 10% tax bracket or the 12% tax bracket, maximize those capital gains. And then you can buy the stock again later, re-up your capital gains basis. Or um, just make sure if you're trying to sell some stock because you know you might need income in the future, it's a good time to capitalize on taking some of that within that 12% tax bracket now and then sell some maybe later. So that way you don't jump up into multiple tax brackets. Got it. So I know it can be a little confusing, right? And trying to keep track of these tax brackets, hard to keep track of where your stock is, what kind of capital gains you have, what's going to happen impact-wise. That's why it's always good to meet with somebody, whether it's your own financial advisor or you can give us a call and meet with us. If you want to meet with us, you can give us a call at 952-657-7470. Again, 952-657-7470. Vince, the next one on our list is not going to apply to all of our listeners, but it is going to apply to some of them. So we're going to hit it real quick. And that is harvesting losses on cryptocurrency, if that's something you got into in 2021. Yeah. And this is really interesting. I, I don't know about you, but I, I see a lot of these guys, young guys and young gals, you know, driving cars with a license plate like crypto or Bitcoin. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, did we miss the boat or what? As long as they don't get it tattooed on their arm or anything. <laughs> it's really kind of interesting. It's like, what, you know, should we get into it? Should we not get into it? You know, luckily there's some funds now that are, are eligible, so we don't have to take so much risk. But even like the other day, I was going on all these different channels to try to figure out where is a reputable like app to make sure you're like, if I do put money in it, but there is a loophole for cryptocurrency. And I know a lot of you might not have cryptocurrency and something that we're researching, whether or not we should do it or not do it. We have some mutual funds or exchange traded funds that we can use, but there's a loophole in the law that means people who own cryptocurrency should consider harvesting those losses in 2021 because the wash rule does not apply to cryptocurrencies. Ah, that's important to know. Yeah, so you could like sell, right? Do a wash and then buy back in the next day, essentially. Hmm. So kind of cool, you know, does that mean we should jump into cryptocurrency? You know, uh, I don't know. If you really like it, by all means. Um, Something I'm definitely looking into more of and I might just play with it. This speaks to something we talk about all the time, which is stay diversified. And if you don't understand it completely, you know, you might have some play money you want to mess around with, but don't get too serious with and how much you invest in this until it's something that you totally understand. At the end of the day, it's really volatile. So it's yes. not like a great thing to put your retirement funds in and hope uh, you're going to be driving a Lamborghini around like some of these guys that got lucky, I should say, right? Well, you know, if you're going to get the Lamborghini, you're going to have to get the customized license plate like we mentioned a minute ago. <laughs> 
The next one is going to apply to much more of our audience. It's number nine on our list of 10, and especially with the holidays coming up. And a lot of charities have really been hit hard by the pandemic for so many different reasons. Donating cash to your favorite charity, not only is it a nice thing to do around the holiday season, but there is a tax advantage to doing it before the end of the year. Yeah. And obviously, if you can be charitable, that's great. Now, normally you need to itemize to deduct any charitable contributions. You know, there's different things you can do. You could look at donor advised funds where you can do a bigger deduction and do some Roth conversions to help you move money around. So there's a lot of different strategies that you can apply to reduce your overall tax liability next year. But again, this stuff needs to be done before December 31st, right? Mm -hmm. So make sure you're looking at, you know, should you or should you not do it? Make sure you're looking at how it's going to impact you. Should you do the Roth conversion, the donor advised fund, make a charitable deduction? If you want to be charitable, just be charitable. You know, don't at the end of the day, don't think about the tax implications or try not to look into the tax implications. There's no tax implications. It's just, will you get all the deduction? That's kind of the part to, you know, if you're just doing it for deductions, don't just do it. You know, if you want to be charitable, be charitable first, then do it for the deduction. So that can be hard to do with the 2021 standard deduction, obviously. You know, it's not very high. And again, hopefully with some of the tax changes, maybe that will change and we can have some bigger deductions. Uh, so you can be more charitable. Also worth noting, uh, donating to a charity does not include the relative that you're going to see over Thanksgiving is going to hit you up for some cash. That does not count as far as a charitable donation. Correct. <laughs> and I've always been told, if you are going to do that, by the way, like if someone asks you for a loan for money uh, over the holidays and it's a friend or family, don't expect that money back. Consider it a gift. That's a good way to look at it. It saves a lot of, uh, a lot of stress and arguments down the road. Final item on our list, kind of hit on this all the way through, and it should go without saying, but it really is important to put a finer point on, Vince, and that is meet with your tax advisor. This is so important. Yeah, I think a lot of people overlook this because they wait till after the first of the year Yeah, to then put everything together and then meet with their tax advisor. Well, if you're trying to do anything for to apply for 2021, it's too late, technically. Now, you can still do like an IRA contribution and that kind of thing, but basically everything's pretty much set in stone already once it's January 1st, 2022. So that's why it's important to meet with your tax advisor because you're looking at things tax forward and you can meet with your financial advisor too. They should be able to help guide you as far as what things you can and cannot do. Or hopefully you have a financial advisor that's able to do that. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, obviously you can give us a call and we can try to help you out. If you don't have a tax advisor or don't have a financial advisor, or even if you do and you want some ideas, you can give us a call at 952-657-7470. Or go to our website at cfgretirement.com. Glad we covered all of this before the calendar turns to December, Vince. Enjoy the holiday. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jack. You too. Investment advisory services offered through Assured Retirement Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor in the state of Minnesota. Insurance products and services are offered through CFG Retirement Group, Inc.